Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hi, everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. I am Sebastian Richard, and I'm here with Elizabeth Richard. And today we are going to give you tons of content. We need to warn you, this is going to be huge. There's going to be lots and lots of content, lots of scripture verses, because we're going to talk about something that's quite controversial. So, uh... Today's episode is episode 13. We're going to be talking about the law of attraction. Is it for Christians? As most of you know, or if you don't, I'm going to tell you, there's a book that took the world by storm back in 2006, and that book was The Secret. You've probably heard of it. You've probably seen it somewhere. You probably went to a friend's home where they had it lying around on a table. Lots of people bought that book. The book was written by Rhonda Byrne, and it is based on the law of attraction. It basically explains it, explains how to tap into that law, and basically the book is tries to show you how to make your dreams come a reality, reality just by changing your thoughts, okay? So right then and there, you can see there's some problems uh, aligning it with scriptures, but uh, nevertheless, the book has sold 20 million copies worldwide and has been translated into 50 languages. Uh, someone once said, you cannot argue with success. I'm not sure how much of that is true, but uh, definitely the book has had a huge impact on a ton, ton of people. There's countless people who tell how their lives have been changed by the book The Secret and especially by applying the principles taught in the book mainly the law of attraction. Exactly. We thought this was really uh, a great topic to pick. And uh, we learned a lot of things as we were studying uh, this topic. We've been studying it for quite quite some time um, as we started our, our journey in personal development. Because it's all over the place, really. It's all over the place. And any entrepreneur is going to hear about it when you're doing personal growth. And... Um, you know, I've seen a lot, a lot of questions arise when Christians ask themselves in entrepreneur groups, like, is this something I should be looking into? Is it something I not, you know, is there any truth to it? Um, have, have people taken it and basically new aged it? So this is why we really, really want to study it in depth and really see, um, you know, if there was any debunking, any myths, anything that aligns with scripture. So we're asking you to be open-minded and um, look into this with us and then make your own decisions. So uh, many testify of how the law of attraction has taken them out of debt, helped them find the perfect mate, uh, gave them the job of their dreams. It's also enabled them to get that coveted promotion and a lot, of, a lot of people have said it's made them rich. 
Yeah, that's a lot of good things, right? Uh, the law of attraction, in fact, is so attractive that it found its way in the curriculum of many, many self-help seminars and popular personal development teachers' curriculums. It's, it's all over the place, like I said earlier. In fact, it's so popular, they don't even need to name it anymore. They just teach it as fact. I've noticed that in, in a lot of personal growth seminars. Uh, it's just part of their verbiage, okay? It's, it's just weaved in there. You'll notice that when we stop naming a thing and teach it as fact, that is when it has become part of the culture. And the law of attraction is so prevalent that it is now part of our popular belief. Even among those who didn't read the book or don't engage in personal development, it's still a part of their uh, everyday vernacular and vocabulary. I've noticed that. Exactly. And um, even, in the even in different home businesses and online businesses, um, I hear countless people who have a vision board who, or who practice visualization. Uh, these practices are linked to principles taught in the secret. But as Christians, what are we to make of this? Hmm. After all, we are told in the Bible that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's in James 1.17. Yeah, so... How can proponents of the law of attraction, most of whom are into New Age thinking and philosophy, be blessed in such a way? That, that's something that Christians get to thinking, you know, they're like, well, that, it wouldn't work, God wouldn't allow that, or sometimes we get confused about, does this thing really work? And if so, how, does it, how can it be universal, right? So there's many questions that come uh, about the law of attractions from a Christian's perspective. I remember when the book came out, and I saw it, I think it was at a Costco. And back then, I was not into personal de development, not into personal growth. I was not an entrepreneur yet. And I was extremely conservative. I still am, by many standards, uh, quite conservative. So I saw the book out and I had seen it. I think I remember having, I had seen it on Oprah. And right away, I was like, well, that's crap. I didn't even read it. I was like, oh, that's crap. Right away, right? Like a knee-jerk reaction. And, and a lot of Christians are like me. I mean, we... we we tend to, as soon as it's not doctrinally something we're uh, familiar with, we just toss it out the window. Uh, so a lot of questions came for Christians throughout the years as the book has um, gained a lot of momentum in all kinds of teaching circles. So the questions such as, uh, is the law of attraction good? Is it bad? Is it neutral? If you do a search on Google or YouTube, You'll see the amazing diversity of opinions on the matter from Christians, okay? Um, some Christians might actually jump, be all in, and they're so into the law of attraction that you even question their faith. You're like, well, they sound so new agey, you don't even see that they're Christians anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, others endorse it to a degree. They're perhaps a little bit more balanced. And there's other uh, Christians who are very conservative that call it flat-out witchcraft. So which is it, right? Like we decided to look into the law of attraction in this podcast and it's going to be, by the way, it's going to be a two-part podcast. So a big part today and a big part in the next episode too. So we'll get a later, we'll talk a little bit uh, when we conclude about what's going to be found in episode uh, part two of this teaching. 
But we decided to look into the law of attraction and analyze it as objectively as possible in the light of scriptures. So why would we do that? Well, it's very, very popular. One first things, it's, it's very popular. And uh, Christian entrepreneurs will inevitably, since they are invested in personal growth, meet it on their path. Mm-hmm. It, they're going to hear teachings about it. It's, it, it's in, inevitable. It's all over the place. And we really want you to be clear on, you know... The good, the bad, the and the good, ugly. <laughs> exactly. The good and the bad, so you're able to decipher what is godly and what is ungodly of all of this. Yeah, and so there's three main reasons why we wanted to look into it and, and analyze it the way we're going to do. Number one, we want to understand it for what it is worth, okay? Because it is the glory of God to conceal a matter... And to search out a matter is the glory of kings, just like Proverbs 25.2 says. And number two, we want to understand how and if it works. Because, check it out, if it does work, we do not want believers who are the salt and light of the earth to be out on the loop. Because if it does work, I think it's something believers should be made aware of. Because it could actually be very beneficial. And number three, we want to see which parts of the law of attraction do align with the scriptures because we want God to shed light on it and not the philosophies and uh, thoughts of men. There's a late Bible teacher. He's deceased today. But if you have the opportunity to go check out his videos on YouTube, the man was a phenomenal uh, biblical uh, teacher. His name was John Paul Jackson. And once in a teaching, he said that New Agers, by appropriating for themselves the so-called secret and the law of attraction, he said this, he said, they stole our rainbow. And I loved it. And I love the fact that it came from John Paul Jackson, because for those of you who don't know John Paul Jackson, he, his ministry was greatly uh, aimed at converting New Agers and bringing them to Christ. He made it his business to go to New Age uh, conferences and gatherings to present the gospel there. So he was so familiar with their vernacular, with everything they believed, that he, and he felt called by God to do that. that and they were drawn to him. Uh, I heard a testimony of him, and he said that whenever he would find himself in a conference where there were a lot of New Agers or whatever, they would actually come to see him. So these New Agers, they come to him and they say, your aura is different or you're, you're glowing. And, and, and basically what they saw is what is called in Hebrew, the Shekinah glory. Uh, that's the, uh, remember the glow that Moses had when he came down from the mountain. He had a glow and it stayed with him for, for days on end after it started fading after a while. But um, I've seen this man, I, even on video, I told to Liz, uh, this man is special. I just want to quote to you what, what he said, because this was really worth gold. So he was upset. And he said, they stole our rainbow. What did he mean by that? Well, he said that many of the principles found within the law of attraction can be found within the Bible. But that because the law of attraction has such a strong New Age connotation and flavor, Christians now steer clear of anything remotely reminiscent of it. So in other words, as soon as a Christian hears the words 
the secret or the law of attraction, they are put off by it. Why? Because New Agers took that and appropriated it for themselves. And then he said this, which I love, okay? He said, let's take back what the enemy has stolen. Let's take it back and make it so Christian that New Agers will fear it and stay away from it. And I, the whole audience burst laughing because they were Christians listening to John Paul Jackson when he said that. He was upset, he was, and rightfully so. So in this podcast teaching, we really want to do just that. We want to try to show you which parts of the law of attraction are really founded firmly in scriptures and which parts are not. But in this first part, we're going to look at where it does align. And it is our hope that you guys will be blessed through this. Absolutely. And I thought that was really, really interesting when he said that. And um, as we, we were learning about it, I could absolutely understand why he said that. And I, I know you guys will too. So let's not forget that the Bible is a very supernatural book. And God wants us to live a life where the supernatural shows up through miracles healings, success, blessings, and yes, attracting good things too. Amen to that. So first off, we must understand that the law of attraction is stated to be just that, a law. As such, it is said to be knit together with seven other so-called universal laws in metaphysics or New Age circles, if you will. I'm not going to go in detail here, but for the sake of understanding, I'm going to give a short definition of those uh, seven so-called universal laws. And as I go through the, these seven laws, you're going to see that these are pretty much truly universal. I mean, there are things that are observable by science and, and um, pretty much based on a lot of uh, fact and research. Okay. So number one, the law of mentalism. New Agers would define this as universal consciousness. But Christians call this superintelligence the mind of God. There is a supreme intelligence at work in the universe. Number two, the law of correspondence. In New Age and Masonic circles, we hear as above, so below, as below, so above. This means that there is harmony, agreement, and correspondence between the physical and spiritual realms. This is observable even scientifically, okay? So it's not because uh, New Agers or, or, or Masons take this and make it their own that it's not, uh, it's not true, okay? The law of correspondence. And the third law is the law of vibration. Nothing rests, everything moves, everything vibrates. The third universal law tells us, and science has confirmed, that everything in the universe, including you, is pure energy vibrating at different frequencies. Number four, the law of polarity. The fourth of the seven universal laws tells us that everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. It means that there are two sides to everything. And the fifth law is the law of rhythm. 
the fifth of the seven universal laws tells us that everything flows out and in, everything has its tides, all things rise and fall, the measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left, rhythm compensates. This principle can be seen in operation in the waves of the ocean, in the rise and fall of the greatest empires, in business cycles, in the swaying of your thoughts from being positive to negative, and in your personal successes and failures. I like these last parts, right? Uh, in, in the uh, rise we, and falls we, of your business cycles, in the swing of your thoughts from going positive, negative, and in your personal success and failures. And these, that, that's really entrepreneurial. And there. these are things that we see. We know we know it for a fact. We've oh, yeah. seen it, but we, we weren't able to put a name on it. Yeah, it's called, it's called the law of rhythm. So <laughs> the good and the bad, you know, and when you, your life ebbs and flows, there's, there's some good times, bad times. Yeah. Yeah, it's observable. Number six, the law of cause and effect. That one most of us are familiar with. The sixth and of the seven universal laws tells us that every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. In accordance with this law, every effect you see in your outside or physical world has a very specific cause which has its origin. According to this law, every one of your thoughts, words, or actions sets a specific effect in motion which will come to materialize over time. So we can see that in this law of cause and effect, there is a, a very distinct link with what is known as the law of attraction. Right. And number seven is the law of gender. The last of the seven universal laws tells us that gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. This mutable universal law is evident throughout creation in the so-called opposite sexes found not only in human beings but also in plants, minerals, electrons, and magnetic poles to name but a few. Among the outward expressions of feminine qualities are love, patience, intuition, and gentleness, and of masculine qualities are energy, self-reliance, logic, and intellect. Mm. Now, the law of attraction is said to be the basic law of the universe, which runs through all the seven universal laws discussed here. It supposedly holds the seven universal laws together. So it's weaved throughout the seven laws. Mm. But some New Age teachers propose a different view. They expanded the list to 12 universal laws. And in that list, the law of attraction is just listed as one of the 12. So why are we telling you this? Basically, we just wanted to show you that the law of attraction is just one of many laws that have been set in motion by none other than our Lord, God. Okay? So... With all of this metaphysical stuff out of the way, we can now look into the simple principles of the law of attraction itself. And let's begin with a definition of the law of attraction. The law of attraction is the belief that by focusing on positive or negative thoughts, people can bring positive or negative experiences into their life. The belief is based on the idea that people and their thoughts are both made from pure energy and that through the process of like energy attracting, attracting like energy, a person can improve their own health, wealth and personal relationship. So that's the basic definition of the law 
of attraction. So the law of attraction is composed of three simple steps. Number one, ask. Number two, believe. Number three, receive. Okay, now it gets really interesting because of those three steps. This is the part where we will look how the law of attraction makes sense and is in accordance with the Bible. And I think uh, since these three universally recognized steps to apply the law of attraction um, are very much biblical, as we will see later, uh, I think it's really making it uh, come alive right now for us, okay? Like I said, these three steps are spoken of plainly and abundantly in the scriptures. And the number one step is ask. Law of attraction practitioners are told to ask. Of course, they don't ask God. They just ask. ask. the universe. They ask either the universe or they just throw it out there by verbalizing it. Okay, the name it and claim it thing, that's kind of where it comes from. But they, they don't have anywhere to aim it except maybe at the universe. Okay, but they believe that if they don't ask, they won't receive. And that's a biblical principle. In the, in the Bible, we're told to ask God in prayer for all of our needs. In Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11, we read this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of him? I think that's very interesting. So the asking principle is pretty much universal. Uh, it even says here in the verse, I, uh, for, I kind of noticed that by reading it, like, for everyone who asks, receives. I thought that was interesting. So the asking principle is, um, is very biblical. Okay, so we read that in Matthew 7. We also read it in Matthew uh, 21, verse 22. And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, there's a verse. If there's a verse that for Christians presents um, kind of like not only a mind-blown principle, because <laughs> when you read that, your, your mind is blown. You're like, whoa. But at the same time, we're like, well, how come it doesn't work? And then you have the, the counterbalance where Jesus says, well, if you have a faith like a mustard seed, you'll be able to. So we can probably link it to our lack of faith. But that I'm just um, <laughs> I'm just going down a or rabbit trail what, here. But. Or that what you're asking is not meant for you in his timing or in his will. Yeah, I just want to stay, stay with the asking principle here. Uh, but I just wanted to share that with you. So in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, we read, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then in verse 7, we read, And my God will supply all your needs with glory in Christ Jesus. In James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, 
There's an asking principle, but there's also a warning weaved in there. Very interesting. We read, you do not have because you do not ask God. First thing, okay? You don't have because you don't ask. So the first thing to do if you want to have is to ask. But then here's what he says. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oh, interesting, isn't it? So he's saying, don't have the wrong motive when you ask. Don't be self-centered or selfish or uh, seek things that are just for your pleasures. Interesting. Exactly. And number two is believe. So here again, the law of attraction is in line with the scriptures. We are to believe once we ask, we are to ask in faith. So in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Assurance, yeah. And in Hebrews 11.6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. There's also another verse in Mark 11.24 that says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Mm. Hmm. That's, powerful. that's powerful. Very powerful. Wow. I mean, that blows the mind, right? I mean. Yeah. And in Matthew 21, 22, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And in Matthew 17, 20 to 21, you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I mean, those are fantastic verses. And I think a lot of Christians forget these verses. We forget them and we justify them. Oh, this is for another time. Or... Uh, this is for people who have an extraordinary gift of faith. or But he's talking to everybody. Exactly. He's, he's not... Exactly. It's for uh, all Christians. It's like... Uh, okay. It's like basically he's saying, you know, you're a believer. Here's what you can do. And when I read this, I, I fall short. I mean, I find myself like, oh boy, here's what I could do if I had faith. Mm. <laughs> and I always <laughs> find myself like, why can't I do this? <laughs> I want this mountain out of the way. I can't do it. But I can. See, just the fact that I say I can't proves how how little faith I have. I can't do it. Right there, I just, I just, I'm disqualified. We have to change our. I have to be like I can do this. Jesus said I could. So kind of like a child that he said I could do this, so I can. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So in the last verse, I want to give you is in James one six to eight. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. There you go. So I'm unstable in all I do. (laughs) Why can't I do this? (laughs) We all have our moments. Yeah, we have, I have my. I've had my moments where it's and it's it's really what the Apostle Paul says that we can't pray. This is why the Holy Spirit intervenes for you. But it, it basically says that the Holy Spirit does it for us <laughs> through. Uh, I forget the verse. It's in Romans. 
But I thought I thought that verse was amazing because basically it says, God has pity on you, you poor fools who can't pray. So therefore, <laughs> the Holy Spirit kind of like intercedes on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, basically. But you know what? Um, as I was reading these again, I think these are really great verses. Um, if you go back in the podcast and you jot down these verses and stick them on, you know, your mirror or somewhere where you see them and, and repeat them. Because it has a lot of power. They are pretty amazing. I mean, when you read them out loud, you realize, wow, this is the God I serve. This is what he wants to do for me, whom he has redeemed. Powerful stuff. Number three. So first you have um, ask, second, believe, and third, receive. So thirdly is receive. There's a gem I found in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. It says, moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. Wow. I love that. Now, that's, that's being able to receive in all of its wonder and glory. And I mean, when, when God blesses you... Uh, this is what it looks like. I mean, this is, it doesn't give halfway, right? So uh, wealth and possessions, the ability to enjoy them, because yeah, you can have wealth and possessions be sick like a dog, so you won't be able to enjoy them. To accept your lot and be happy, because you can have wealth and possessions, the ability to enjoy them, but you can be unhappy because you want more. That's another way that you're going to fall short of this promise. So to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. So if you have all three, it's a gift from God. James uh, chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good, and we quoted that verse earlier, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So a good gift should always be received. Some people have a harder time than others with receiving. I'm not one of those. <laughs> but I've seen some people who oh no 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 don't don't no don't don't no, don't don't give me that don't give me a gift so no that's okay no please please I can't accept this I can't accept this and they do that with God as well it's kind of sad really because when I give a gift I just want the person to say hey thanks this is awesome but sometimes you get people who are like no no no, no I can't accept that because they they feel like they owe you after. But if you give from, from a, a, a good motive and just not expecting anything in return, they shouldn't feel like that. But yet we do, we feel like that. And it, it, how can you feel like that with God? I mean, to me, it just blows my mind because what can you ever give God back? Really, seriously, you feel like you owe God? He gives you a perfect gift. You go, oh, no, 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 God, because I, 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 you're going to ask me to do something after that or... <laughs> God doesn't give like we do. Anyway, it's just a little parenthesis here. There's a few more observations about the law of attraction that I want to uh, teach in today's episode. Because like I said, in today's episode, we're going to go into where the law of attraction actually aligns with scriptures. Okay? Uh, we're going to talk in the second episode, uh, part two, where it, where it doesn't. Or, or I shouldn't say where it doesn't, but I should say more where... The proponents, what they teach, or the teachers, or the gurus, or what they teach, where, where that doesn't align. See, because the law itself is a law. And that's what I want to talk about right now. Number one, it's a law. 
As such, it is set forth to operate automatically and without discerning of persons. Okay? It's indiscriminate. But every law has a law maker. Like any law of creation, God made it for the benefit of his creation, for us. By understanding the source of the law, we can better respect it, use it, and understand it. And God has set many such laws in operation throughout his creation. For example, in the Bible, it says in Matthew 5.45 that God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. I guess we could call that the law of general grace, where every human being is put in a position where they can enjoy God's creation. That is general grace. It's not specific. Okay. There's other laws that are similar to that, that we're familiar with. For example, the law of cause and effect. We know that law. The law of sowing and reaping. In the scripture, it's very, very clear. There is a law of sowing and reaping. What a man sows, he will reap. And that applies to physical grain as well as emotional things that you can sow. You can sow discord. You will reap discord. You can sow hate. You will reap hate. So that's also a law. And it, it, it also kind of aligns with the law of attraction, that one, right? The law of sowing reaping, very much similar to the law of attraction. So if you, if you sow good thoughts, positive thoughts about your life, guess what? There's probably a better chance you will reap positive results. <laughs> how can you reap positive results in your life if all you think about is how you're going to fail, how this is gonna, not going to work, uh, how so-and-so won't accept your offer or whatever? <laughs> it's not going to work, right? But if you have more a positive approach, it will transpire in your being. And guess what? You will attract better results. Anyway, the law of action and reaction. Every action engenders a equal or opposite reaction. So these are laws that God set forth in his creation. I'll give you more uh, hands-down experiences, okay? That's so you can identify better with this. For example, gardening is indiscriminating. There are simple rules associated with it. Okay, for example, the rules of gardening is, well, first of all, you sow your seed. You have to sow it in good earth, right? Not dust or dirt that is not healthy. You have to sow it at a certain depth. You have to water it. It has, depending on the plant or what you're sowing, has to have a certain amount of sun, shadow. Huh? And, and, of course, the water there has to... So. The point is, the point I'm trying to make is this. Believers, Christians, can do it successfully. And guess what? So can evil people. I mean, Satanists, for example, can have a wonderful garden if they apply the simple rules of gardening. Right? So that's kind of a universal principle. The laws of success work the same way. The law of success basically means this equation. Hard work plus consistency, plus mindset, plus facing your fears, will equal in you being successful. Believers can do it, and so can the wicked, if they apply those principles. Okay, so I'm showing you again that this is indiscriminate. Anybody can do this, good or bad. Okay, 
the laws of reproduction are also indiscriminating. That's why a one-night stand, teenage sex, or even rape may result in pregnancy and a new human being being born. So these things are mysterious. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about stuff that's mysterious, especially from a believer's standpoint. Because sometimes we don't understand why God gives these this general grace, of, or we're going to look at the wicked who may be very successful and rich. And like, why did God allow such and such a person to have so much wealth, health, and even that when you look at them, they seem happy? Yeah, like, how is that even possible? But that's general grace. That's those are the simple laws that God set forth that are indiscriminate. And they are, yes, to a certain degree, mysterious for us when we consider them. And even Asaph in, in Psalm 73. I refer to that Psalm a lot when when my wife sometimes will will say, Ah, oh, I don't understand why sometimes, you know, it happens, you, you fail. And uh, there's another person who did the same thing, or maybe maybe even with less effort than you. And poof, they succeed. And, and my wife will say, I don't understand that. <laughs> or I'll say that. That's, that person's not even a believer. They, didn't even, they put in half-assed effort. And boom! Like it, it just bloomed. Or whatever they did just bloomed. And my, my, I put out the same effort, even better, and I got nothing. I don't get it. And that's Psalm 73 for you guys if you want to go check that out. It's Asaph considering that. He's considering that phenomenon and he's confused. He's like, well, I don't understand. Why do the wicked succeed where, where the godly fail? <laughs> and he's, and, and, the, and by the way, the end of the psalm really puts it all in perspective. And I'm not going to sell the punch here. I don't want to give any spoilers, but you go read it for, for yourself. I think we all realize these things as we, you know, work our businesses or even in life you know um a lot of people question for example if they can't get pregnant why does god give a baby to this person and this person doesn't take care of it and drinks all the time and abuses the, the child and i want to have this child and take care of it and have a great home yes you know there's a lot of things that we kind of don't understand you know about uh, god and about laws and that's i guess normal in a way but anyway, so we, we really want to focus on these observations um, about the law of attraction. So this is what we're trying to explain to you is that there's these laws apply to all humans. So it doesn't discriminate. It's just the way it is. And I believe that God put these laws in place to, you know, basically, like we say, make the world go round, right? Um, get everything functioning and working uh, in a normal order. So whether they are unbelievers, bad people, Christians, uh, they, they should all kind of follow these laws, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked about number one as it being a law and that it doesn't uh, in discriminate so anyone can practice this law and benefit from it. So the second observation would be number two, our thoughts do affect our reality. So the law of attraction states that with our thoughts, we can change our reality. Ever heard where focus goes, energy flows? Indeed, what we give much attention to will direct, at least in part, the course of our lives. The Bible, while not specifically telling us that we can direct our lives by controlling our thoughts, does mention the importance of positive thinking, a strong mindset, 
and a focus on right things and right thinking. For example, in Proverbs 23.7, we read, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Mm-hmm. Popular verse, also, like that's, it's a, taking a little bit out of context, but a lot of people use that to say, hey, you know what, what you think of yourself basically is going to be what you become. And in Romans 12.2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Very popular verse. Very, very, very popular. And very true, very good also. Uh, in teaching Christians to, Hey guys, your mind is renewed. You have a new way of thinking that has been imparted to you by God. And it should evolve. It should be constantly, constantly growing. Constantly growing, yes. Right? So in Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Amen. I love that verse. In Colossians 3, 2, we read, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Mm-hmm. So the law of attraction teaches that what we think about most is what we tend to attract in our life. So the good or the bad. So like attracts like. So if you focus on negative things, then obviously you're going to be, bring about negative things. You're, you're going to basically mani- manifest it. If you focus on positive things, then positive things will come to you. So thinking positive attracts more positive. Thinking negative attracts more negative. So we've noticed this in our own lives um, you know, when you focus on negative things, you'll notice that you feel down, depressed, and nothing good comes of it. Um, when you try to focus, even if things aren't going the way you want them to in life, but you, you focus on what you're blessed uh, with by God, and you focus on the positive and on the things that you can change, and you just really think positively, then all of a sudden your circumstances start to change and you see different ways of improving your life and all of a sudden good things happen, right? So that's the power of thinking positively and thinking from an abundance side of things and not negatively. So for example, they'll say that if you have debt and you keep thinking about your debts, you will only attract more debt. The solution, therefore, would be to think about the opposite, right? So from a believer's perspective, this would mean to focus on the abundance God gives you. Mm -hmm. Be thankful for all you do have. Praise Him in prayer in advance for providing for your needs as you ask Him to do so. This mind shift would attract the good you need. So does positive thinking work? Probably not as much as the book The Secret States, but for sure it works better than negative thinking. That's for sure, yeah. And as believers, we have the God of the universe as Father and King. So why should we be negative? There you go. I mean, obviously, uh, when you keep God on the throne in your own life, 
it really reinforces a positive mindset. When you take him off the throne and you put yourself there, yep, you're going to feel like you're in deep doo-doo sometimes. And you're going to be negative. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Number three, another observation about the law of attraction, our words do affect our reality. That is a biblical principle. Oh, you didn't know that? Well, I'm, I'm going to show you how, how this works, okay? So the law of attraction teaches that our words can manifest into a reality. And this is verifiable in Scripture. So the book of James warns us about the power of our tongues. In James chapter 3, verses 2 to 12, we read, and that's a long mouthful, it's a, it's a pretty big passage, but I, I really feel this is important here so that you guys understand this is probably the best passage in the whole of Scriptures that talks about what the human tongue can do, okay? It says this, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, James is really <laughs> depicting mm -hmm. us like this is, this is a, an instrument of almost evil because, not almost, of evil because men have evil hearts. Even Jesus, I, I read it earlier when he says, you who are evil and know how to give good things to your children. So yeah, we are, I'm sorry, I don't want to burst your bubbles here. We're evil. Well, we can be if we... we and, and praise God for redemption. That's what exactly. we're, that's what he, he, he saved us from. But anyway, so it keeps going, it says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So he did, in the end, show us how our tongue can praise mm -hmm. and curse. And as believers, we so need to heed this. It's, it's really strange to me that Christians kind of ignore this. And New Agers, and even worse, occult practitioners, heed this to a T. Okay? In fact, those who pr practice magic and the occult know this so well, they honor it more than believers in their own twisted way, of course. Ever think about where we got the term magic spells from? Spells come from the word spelling. Huh? Words. How we spell words. That's how spells are wrought. Also, 
Those who have deliverance ministries, this is on the Christian side, okay? They know the fact that the tongue can bless or curse very, very well. I've heard it from, from them, from many of those uh, people who are in deliverance ministries, say many, many times that some people open the door to evil spirits because of things they may have inadvertently said out loud. And this way, they brought ill into their lives or oppression from demons because of words they have said on themselves. I am so blah, 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 blah. Or I am... When we speak about ourselves, when we put the two words, I am, whatever it follows, you have to be very careful. It can either bless you or curse you. So that's something that most Christians are completely unaware about. Okay? And John Paul Jackson, whom I talked about at the beginning of this uh, podcast, he referred this as the law of invitation. In other words, when a Christian will use his words inadvertently, in the wrong way, they will invite evil spirits to get a foothold in their life because of the tongue, because of the words. So yes, our words do affect our reality. And this is how our words may be used to bless and curse ourselves and others. Just like the Bible says, our words can heal, bless, or hurt and curse. We also read in the scriptures about the power of the Word of God in many instances. We know that God created everything by His Word. In John chapter 1 we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life, uh, the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In Hebrews 4.12, we read, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In Isaiah 55.11, God himself speaks about his own word. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. Now, friends, God made us in his image and likeness. His word, when it comes out of him, accomplishes things. The same can be said of us. Now, Perhaps not to the same degree, because we're not God, right? His word will inevitably accomplish itself. Right. Ours, well, we are finite. We are not all-powerful. But we are made in His image. So the law of attraction does have a very good point when they say that our words do affect our reality. So as we reach the end of today's podcast... Today we focused on how the law of attraction fits in with scriptures and with Christian doctrine and with what we know, okay? So we took, pretty much, we, we took it up and we looked at parts of it and does that fit in with what we know of the scriptures, of God, of the created order? And there are definitely big parts of the law of attraction that absolutely align 
with, with the scriptures. However, be sure to join us next week for part two of this very important teaching. It's very important for Christian entrepreneurs to understand this because it's going to help you discern which part and how to which part of the law of attraction fits in with your life and how to apply it. And it's going to help you discern when you hear teachings about it that do not align to reject them. So join us next week as we will go into the other side of the metal or the, the, the other side of the token of the, or the coin, if you will. And we will look at what does not align in the teachings of the law of attraction. And let me be clear, the law of attraction is, is not to blame here. It's the way it is interpreted by teachers, speakers, and gurus. New that agers. Is, yeah, and new agers that is, to, uh, that is at fault. So that's what we're going like to look at uh, next week. So be sure to join us because this is a really thorough teaching. And I think, and, and, and I don't want to boast here, but I've done a lot of research. I've been on YouTube, I've been on Google. There are quite a bit of teachings on that. But I think that from a Christian perspective, who uh, um, goes into really in detail, looking at the law of attraction for what it is, I think we did a really incredible job. And I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find content that is more detailed than what we will give you in these two episodes on the law of attraction. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, you can uh, uh, leave your comments on our website, thrivingonpurpose.com. Uh, go click on on the, the podcast episode if you're not already tuning in from there. And uh, we have a comment section. We'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this topic and how you feel about it and what you've learned from it and what you, uh, what, what you feel about this topic. So this concludes our part one. Thanks for listening. Um, please share this podcast with uh, those that you know will enjoy it if it's blessed you. And uh, you can su subscribe to our weekly episodes sent straight to your inbox uh, by going to thrivingonpurpose.com. On the front page, you can subscribe so that you'll uh, get our latest podcast. Yeah, thanks again for joining us, guys. We really uh, appreciate you uh, being part of the Thriving on Purpose family. Uh, join, joining us weekly and uh, hey let us know if you're blessed uh, let us know if you have questions comments like Liz said just uh, just let us know about that and we'd love to hear from you really yeah and on the front page of thrivingonpurpose.com we also have a God questions section so if you want to write questions there for us and uh, we uh, we intend to do a podcast on questions and, and answers uh, eventually down the road alright that's it for this week so be blessed and thrive on! Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.